Hi, uh, welcome back. Uh, this is part two. Uh, for everyone listening, this is part two of the interview. Um, and so uh, how about you introduce yourself again? Uh, hi, folks, both returning and new. I'm Corey, uh, Chief Executive Artist of Zenfry, a creative arts and entertainment company in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And I'm also the creator of Clandestine Anomaly. Okay. And Zenfry, or Zenfry is Z-E-N-F-R-I. That's, that's right. Um, that's actually... Okay. Dot com, yeah. That's actually my my wife and I met on the internet way, like, I guess almost eight years ago now. And uh, my handle was Zenith and hers was Friday. So that's where oh, the company okay, gets cool. its name from. Um, so last time we were talking about, you know, Kickstarter and how you were going to market this game. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what, what are other approaches? Because you're right. I mean, now that Kickstarter is just kind of getting more of a well-known buzz it's i feel it's almost harder for indies necessarily to get noticed because uh, yeah because now, yeah. now it's like now you hear about you're really going to go to kickstarter when you hear about like some of these famous game designers saying okay well i'm going to do another project right like if if the guy who did or ron gilbert or whatever uh the guy from monkey island says okay i'm going to do something and i'm going to put it on kickstarter then it's going to make millions of dollars as a kickstarter campaign and the question yeah, and, is, is and the- do, do indies is this even viable for indies. I don't know. I mean, I obviously heard of Kickstarter last year, right? And I've seen some indie, you know, I've actually had some people on on the show, or at least one person who was working on a book, who got it funded successfully through Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, what, what do you feel about that? What's, what's the general consensus uh, about the viability of Kickstarter now? Well, I know that the games press um, that we have contacted, there's been an overwhelming sense of, we don't write about it if it's just a Kickstarter. Uh, There has to be something else. And so that tells you something. I mean, for me, it's been kind of a challenge. I've I've wanted to do a Kickstarter since I heard about Kickstarter. And this goes back to what you mentioned last time of the risks of being polished versus um, iterative. I went before I had any... I wanted to go on there before I had any funding for the game with just, you know... And I can't, we had some drawings, you know, we had a lot of volunteers help us out early on, people who, who worked with sweat equity because they, they cared about the idea. And, um, and, but, and, but now we have people who have worked on Microsoft or worked on Avatar who have helped us with our game. Um, and so there's this whole thing of, I, I constantly feel like we aren't prepared or aren't ready. Um, and even what I have up now, I'm a bit of a of a of a control freak and a perfectionist. Even what I had now, I I sort of was like, I wish there was more. I wish there was more gameplay. I wish there was more of all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, but as that trend between the year when I first wanted to go onto Kickstarter and the when I actually went on Kickstarter, you could see the trend of the 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 shapers and stuff coming on. And I don't have any problem. I think it's you know, the it's. If that's what the community wants, then that's that's fine. Um, I do. Th- I don't know if it. I'm not going to blame my lack of success on the fact that Zach Braff has a brand name, but um, certainly it does help, and it does seem a little bit um, not what the original conception of it was. There's, and the other thing that's happened is everyone wants it to be basically a pre-sale channel. Yeah. Um, well, I mean- it, it used to be for donating and for indies, and it's kind of become for established brands and pre-selling. Um, and I can understand why. I mean, if I'm going to give five bucks, I'd rather give five bucks and get a game. Yeah. Um, it's something that just naturally evolved. It's not out of any sort of cynicism or, or anything else. It's, it's like I'm giving you five bucks with no guarantees. At least if it comes out, I'd like to get something for my investment. Totally understandable. Um, it's de- it is definitely 
harder. I mean, I saw, I think Willie Nelson launched a Kickstarter today or yesterday <laughs> or something. And uh, now, now the thing is, you still have to be a certain kind of famous brand, like yeah. a Willie Nelson or a Zach Braff, where you have this uh, elusive indie cred um, of some kind. You, I don't think you can be, or you've just left Microsoft or something. Like you, you couldn't, you couldn't be. I'm currently working on Halo. Can you fund Halo? Well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe if it gets to that, then I think that definitely the site has lost its way. But um, you know, whatever. Those guys want creative freedom too, and uh, money always comes with strings attached. Um, so I mean, more power to them. But it definitely makes it harder to stand out when there's a million tweets for Zach Braff. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about iterative versus polished. I mean, the the issue with iterative though is if you do release something that isn't completely baked and it's buggy, it does turn off potential audience too. Yeah. So well, I don't. I mean, but at the same time, we've had you know, people who yeah. looked at ours and and basically thought that like we were only feigning being indie. That we somehow have this large bucket of money that no one's heard of us, but we're secretly, you know, we're being disingenuous in some way because some of our art is yeah, it's amazing more polished. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're like, well, I'm sorry, I I literally am an indie. I have made less than minimum wage over the last year for the whole. Me and my wife combined both work at this company, and we make so far no money. Um, like I feel like I'm as indie as you can get. Pretty, I walk my groceries home on my back, but but the yeah. appearance seems to be like, you know, I'm like, well, should I have gone up with more crude drawings? Would that have helped? I don't know. Or may, it's still, but if it is legitimately that, it's the the AR mobile hump. Um, then I don't think any drawings would have helped, crude or not. And. You know, with this, uh, but you know, so so you're going into a new medium. I mean, my concern is that you're trying to hit, and this could be good. You're trying to hit a grand slam out of the park on the first at bat. Would it have been better to maybe even release smaller games on the platform just to get an idea of you know some of these other aspects of a successful game, such as even marketing on the app store, um, and some of these other things you don't realize until you actually release stuff. Uh, well, for sure. Some of the ways you try to mitigate against the unknowns is by bringing on people who do know. But um, I actually did, this is my first game, and this is the farthest I've gotten to a game, but I did try to make a smaller game. The, I could not get the funding to do it out of any kind, and I couldn't get, you know, this one really was built off people working for free. My yeah. smaller, cuter uh, game idea, it wasn't really cute, it was, like, it was, it was called Gravity Ball. Or no, it was called Warp. I changed it to Warp. It was originally called Gravity Ball. But it's about two kids who are trying to flee their mad scientist father who travel through time and space using their dad's greatest invention, a time machine. And what the player doesn't realize is as they're playing the game is that you're actually their mother trying to lead them to freedom and safety from their dead mother trying to lead them to safety and freedom from their dad. And that that seems to have like a nice artsy indie vibe to it. And I still want to make that game. It was going to be all sort of hand-drawn art looking. Um, But... It was not, for some reason, compelling enough to get people to work for no money. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because I wasn't in the community. Like, if I had lots of indie friends and well, had gone to GDC, maybe I could have gotten that one off the ground. But at the time, it was like, sorry, I don't have the money to make this game, so I'll go crazy. I'll just come up with, I'll go for that big idea, which I had already thought of at the time. I was trying to yeah. do that small game to do that exact strategy you're talking about. And I'll go, all right, well, this is going to take me 50 years to make to make a successful game. Or, or to get you know enough notoriety that I can be make even bigger things. I'll just go for the crazy thing and see what happens. And that got traction enough to get me where yeah. I am. I mean that that is an interesting point because I think 
there is this kind of like people have this what they call maybe their best game, their their most passionate game idea, their ideal game, and then they have kind of what they're working on now. Mm-hmm. And you know, how do you reconcile? Because when you're working on your best thing, sometimes luck happens a lot, a lot more easily than when you're working on something that's all right, but it's not really your best idea or, or your best effort, you know? Mm-hmm. And the question is, is how do you balance that with learning all these other dimensions that you need to have to make your best game actually succeed? Because it isn't just the game itself that, that seems to be the success formula. I mean, and, and let me give you an example. So, for example, with Angry Birds, yes, they ha- had a game. It was cute. But if you look at their video on YouTube, right, that could be one dimension of the marketing. Mm-hmm. Very simple video, universal. You know, it's got over 50 million views. And part of that is because it was funny. It was a little humorous. But then you also look at what they did. If you listen to some of the um, talks they've given at conferences, they, they changed the business model, too. Whereas most people were at that time on the app store, I think most people were still selling stuff for um, above 99 cents. So they went down to 99 cents and on top of 99 cents, they were actually doing updates. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just a one-time thing. And so it was the, it was the blending of the right game, you know, on the right platform with the right business model, with the right, you know, marketing or whatever else. And obviously the right theme, right? If they would have made it some other theme, it may not have even worked. And a lot of that is, them just learning through their other games that they've done. That that was like their 50, 50 something game. Like they did like 52 or 53 games before that or something like that. Mm-hmm. And how do you balance that? I mean, the, the concept that I've come up with that's actually, I think has worked is what I call the invention path is that, you know, where you want to get to with your dream game, but you have to start somewhere. And yes, you can spend all that time trying to perfect your dream game. But at least for me, I think feedback is critical. You know, I think feedback and actually understanding the platform and all the nuances of the platform and just seeing what's changed in the platform, because it was, especially in mobile, things change so quickly. Mm-hmm. So you have this invention path where you're actually inventing or working on projects that are getting you towards your dream thing. But, but maybe it is better to work on the dream thing directly. Uh, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I had this criticism right out of the gate um, before I had any money or, you know, any uh, any talent beyond the free people where where people basically warned me against it. And I, I go, well, I tried for one. Uh, two, again, a film example, sorry, uh, Orson Welles, his first movie was, was Citizen Kane, his most <laughs> yeah. successful film. And I do, think, I do think what can happen, and I'm not saying that this will happen with me, if I can be so lucky, is that perhaps having the outside perspective of art and storytelling more general Mixed yeah. with a team of everyone below me on the project has 10, 15 years experience in the industry. Um, so hopefully that mixed with those people um, can get us over those hoops. Um, but I also want to say, when we say dream game, this is not the biggest or most ambitious project I have in my head. Okay. Um, this, is, this, is, this is, I still see this as a stepping stone to something bigger. And that might come off as... Uh, extremely naive um but but you're on the path right this isn't like completely opposite to where you want to go long term no right not not at all okay i'm going to do violent games while i you know think of peaceful games on the side or something right this this is on the path to actually get to where you want to go it isn't completely the opposite of where you'd want to go long term I mean, if if the, so you're on if, the, the path. <laughs> if the doors totally get slammed shut on me, I can change the path. But I do see huge potential 
in this uh, geolocative AR. And I think it's because this is how I naturally imagine. I was trying to think, why did I come up with this idea? Not even, not even like I've always played games, but I, I didn't really consider myself a gamer up until I became fascinated with creating this idea. And then I really started playing games really, really intensely for a couple of years. Um, and I go, well, why, why did I decide to do this? Like, totally change career path. Well, one, the film industry in Canada is terrible, and you're always going to um, be making very small films that don't have the scope I want. But, I mean, the, the other thing was just, it, I've always imagined, you know, walking through the halls in high school or when I was a kid, it was always just about transforming my environment. You know, you'd use the school, but you'd just sort of skin it with your imagination to make it look like a Ford or make it look like whatever you wanted. Yeah. And so because of that, I kind of go, if we can get this geolocative AR thing to work, it has the closest parallels to how I generate my ideas to begin with. And so for me, if we can get this to be successful, it'll become my most pure medium of expression. Um, and there's a lot more I want to do with AR. I want to be grabbing weather data. I want to be, yeah. be grabbing all kinds of stuff to make the experience that much more rich. And I do want to do small stories too. They don't all have to be these big epics. I want to do these very small emotional stories as well. Um, so I mean, so yeah. Why not? Why not then do a small experimental episode? You know, that takes maybe a couple of weeks to make. Because you know, there are. Are you are you guys doing it uh, native development? Like you're actually, or are you using a tool like Unity 3D or Corona or something like that? Uh, we're using Unity, um, and we're using Mateo for some of the augmented reality stuff, and then we're sort of building some uh, in, in between uh, APIs uh, to push it to the where we want it to go. So what, what, about that, what about that approach where you came up with even a simple augmented or just a small mini episode, very small, you know, um, that would take one or two weeks. Is, do you feel that that would just take away from the polish needed to actually? I, um, I think. Yeah, go ahead. I, well, you, you could be right. There, there's two reasons why that doesn't work for me in my present situation. Sure. The one reason is I go... Every small little AR geolocative game has been tacky and gimmicky. Yeah, I feel like true. the way to overcome it is to show the grand, like, you know, if, if we can get this to work and people play it and they see it and they get it and they can go, okay, this is only the beginning, but they understand the grand vision for what's possible. I don't think you can do that in a game that takes two, two weeks. Generally, the small sort of nuanced experiences come after a medium has gone big you know the small indie films that the, the you know the small games like fez yeah uh those come after the media has become successful and established and there's enough of a you know there's an, enough of an audience that you you yeah. can support those smaller ideas so there's that um there's I'm, I'm i'm um, racing to to beat orson wells that's the other point because yeah. i'm not 30 yet so i'm trying to beat him to that i'm sure. more of a jokingly and then the final reason is because of how our development has been funded. We've had some funding from the Canadian government, and basically they signed on to a specific project. And okay. so I couldn't just take my resources and make something else at this point. Um, when do you expect the game to be out then? I'm expecting the game to be out. I mean, we could probably release the first episode by, uh, it, you know, assuming we get appropriate funding for production because we only had development funding. Um, and like Kickstarter, say Kickstarter success or, or, you know, publishers come through, any number of things happen. Uh, we could probably have an episode done for Christmas. The problem with Geolocative is that it's hard to sell an outdoor game when it's cold out. Yeah. So we would probably wait to release that first game until around this time next year. 
Um, but then subsequently, it would we would be trying to get to three to five month cycles of episodes. Okay. And but if you have that assistant, we were talking about this. Um, I think in the previous interview, or in the first interview, where if you had an assistant, so that you didn't have to travel, right within the game, you had an assistant that would travel within the game for you. Mm-hmm. Um, then could it be released during Christmas, or do you feel that that would? It it, it could be, and we do dangerous. have okay. we do have an assistant, um, as we said um, in the game that helps you. Uh, it's sort of and and we similarly. Um, I don't know if you know Winnipeg, but we just basically got rid of our snow like a week ago. Uh, it, it is 40 below for weeks on end. And, and that, this is where we're deciding to build the outdoor game. I think it's because the city's so boring that once the sun comes out, you really want something to do. Uh, and this provides an opportunity for you to have fun outside for those brief weeks that we have um, in an, a great experience. But it also makes you go, you wake up Sunday morning, you really are itching to play the game. You open it up and it tells you you got to walk three blocks, but it's forty below. Um, you got to make you got to make it playable in the indoors. So I hope that the game is strong enough to play indoors. But the whole thing is still to incentivize that outdoor play to make that something that is equally compelling. And it's sort of like getting a bike on Christmas, or maybe not a bike. Let's think of something that is good for indoors and outdoors. I don't know. You get like a hockey set, and you got enough room in your living room to kind of well, hockey is in winter. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's sort of like you're only going to be getting half the experience when the game first comes out. It makes it really challenging to market this as a, a game you can play anywhere, but you're only going to play indoors for the first three, four months. Um, That's true. But at the same but, time, Christmas seems to be a very, very popular day for when people open up their expensive tablets and their iPads and stuff like that. That is true. That is true. So I, I don't know if it'll be the case this year. I just I think people have been noticing that Christmas is actually I think one of the most popular. Or the highest day of activations for a lot of yeah. these things, and not even just phones. I think it's tablets now um, versus phones. And I know is is your game optimized mainly for tablets, or is it for phones? Um, we like showing it on the tablet um, because uh, when you're filming it, you can see a lot more. Yeah. Um, but it is being built around the like the top end, like iPhone five, uh, you know, Samsung, because uh, we. That's just where the audience is primarily. Um, I feel like the best device overall is probably the the one that people use the least, which is like those smaller tablets because you're playing outdoors. It's light, but it still provides a bigger screen, so it's more immersive. But um, but it's being built and optimized for the uh, the higher end phones. Okay. I just like the tablet myself. And do you feel that? Um you know, this game is more catered towards. Do you feel it's catering for both towards both men and women, or is it more for a hardcore audience? Um, I would say, from what you can see at this point, yeah. it it would seem that is more of a male, uh, more hardcore audience. Um, but that's because we haven't sort of fully shown or um, developed out our other faction in the game, which uh, we think would appeal more to to women. Um, I mean, my, my whole strategy is to appeal initially to the hardcore gamers. They seem to like the cutting edge. They seem to like, um, you know, they understand more rich mechanics. And I think that they might want a deeper experience on their tablets. We're going to start with them. And then as the game progresses, you know, the older episodes would then become packaged in a way that you don't change the game, but you sort of repackage and remessage it to be more for families. Yeah. Um, Have you looked and, at ARGs that are kind of more for families or or is that something that you don't feel is 
is probably a good idea at this point, given that, like you said, the hardcore audience is more open to that. Um, I mean, this is this is being written within the Star Wars Lord of the Rings in mind. It's sort of that whole we're not we're not writing it for little three year old kids, but we do hope that at the end of the day, it's an experience that the gamer father or mother can play with their gamer kid and actually have an experience where they go, hey, kids, we don't get outdoors enough and we don't game together enough, but we both love gaming. Let's play this. That's sort of the, the long-term audience that I, I hope maturates as the game comes out. But the initial, the initial hit is for the core gamer. And if, we can get, if someone can get the core gamer like Infinity Blade has on a tablet or iPhone and show them that these aren't just you know, Angry Bird toys, but you can actually have rich experiences on here. I think that that's a huge market. I don't think it's a market that's being properly addressed. And I think that's partly why there's a lot of bias of mobile games by that audience is because there it's not being appropriately addressed. I don't know well, if we're have you, coming. Go ahead. Have you heard of Clash of Clans? Yep. Okay. Because I, th- I think that's also um, kind of a tower defense game, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and what I've, I've talked to, um, you know, I've seen both, uh, or I've definitely seen women play that or heard of women playing it. So it seems like it's, it's actually appealed to both, uh, both genders. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I would have been surprised that it actually does that. So they found the right mechanics where, yeah, it's, it's a battle game <laughs> to an extent, but, uh, women are playing it and Thanks. And I don't know if you've looked into that much, or do you feel that the same thing's going to happen with your game? I mean, um, we chose Tower Defense because we feel like, I mean, my original conception, like you think that this was bold and ambitious. The original thing that I was trying to make of this was actually an RTS MMO version of yeah. this game, which is way too huge. And that's when the pros came in and when like, this is insane. Um, we can't do that. Let's come up with something simpler. And um, this is kind of where we are today. But the tower defense, it's, it's, it's something that is more accessible to a casual audience, yeah. but you can still have that depth in the back end for the hardcore gamer. We have a large customization system where you can really max and min and find the parts and combinations to create. In the prototype, we're only demoing two of the units in the game, but a huge part of the game is collecting or being rewarded these other parts. And, and so every part on the array... Uh, which is what those large battle towers are called, can be changed and swapped out. So on the on the front-end surface, we want it to be very playable and accessible, but have that meat on the bones, kind of like yeah. a great Nintendo game where it's, well, without it looking flowery, but having that, like, its yeah. mechanics are accessible, but if you need to master it, you got to be a pro. Are you going to have um, group mechanics or group systems in there, or is it going to be primarily individual players versus each other? The uh, ultimate goal for the game is to create an experience where your friend wakes up in the morning and realizes you've, uh, you've basically blockaded his entire house. Um, and he's like, damn you. Um, uh, and that is definitely somewhere we hope with future episodes based on success to expand into. Or you know, one of our stretch goals on Kickstarter, if we ever hit a stretch goal, would be for something like that. However, our starting point is to say, this is a whole new experience. We really need to make sure the fundamentals are good before yeah. we open this up to multiplayer. And it's also expensive uh, at, on, on an indie level to be working in all these very cutting-edge areas. So, you know, let's, let's focus on the core experience. And if the core experience is compelling enough, we can still be the first one to open it up to multiplayer. And ma- I, like, I know Ingers is multiplayer, but like a, 
a more rich multiplayer experience. Um, that's definitely the hope. I mean, my my vision has always been, you know, have having having families go with with you know one has an iPod Touch that's connected to the iPad, and you know the family's going together, uh, or friends are going together, and experiencing it from multiple devices at the same time, or or having it so that you could be competing against your friend and uh, actually have like this giant war that's ongoing forever around the world, but it also has that story. And the story is also where I hope to attract um, a broader audience um, because it isn't a simple story. Uh, there is sort of, you know, we, we show a lot of, like I don't necessarily want to give away what's going to happen, but we show a lot of like killing these bug, bug alien creature things, but it's not everything is as it seems and there is sort of deeper issues that we're dealing with, which is where I think a lot of the art of it comes in and uh, hopefully where other audiences relate. One of our main protagonists, and um, this isn't, this isn't saying, Oh, it has to be female protagonist, have females interested. But, um, you know, our, one of our, one of our protagonists is a man. One of them is a robot with no particular gender. And the other one is a woman. Um, And we hope through that, those three, those pillar characters in the game that we can attract both kids who are like, Whoa, a robot you know the the you know the the males with the hardened battle warrior and yeah. you know everyone else. Yeah, I didn't even think of it this way, but Plants vs Zombies was a casual desktop tower defense game, um, and it did pretty well. And I guess with Clash women of audience too. Oh, go ahead. And it did well with women too. Yeah, exactly. And then and because I was just surprised that Clash of Clans was being played by women too. And I guess desktop tower defense is is a genre that can that can work for both genders. Um, and because I was wondering if it was going to be the group mechanics and clash of clans that would actually attract the women to play. And that was my concern with say your game in mm-hmm. the sense that if you don't have multiplayer or these kind of group mechanics, it might only appeal to men, but I guess, you know, even the single player tower defense game has appealed to both genders. So maybe it won't, it, it's not even needed as, as a preliminary concept or idea. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it's about expansion. I hope that the first game, I hope that if we do it properly, that we can show it the first game, look, these these aren't laughable ideas. There's actually, and, you know, it's going to seem laugh. It's going to take time to, to turn people over and convince them, even if it is a great game. Yeah. But you get that core group who drives that first game forward. And what's that core group that's going to be, you know, um, susceptible to new things, new ideas, who might be sick of of the constant churn of Call of Duties and looking for something new and different, uh, and who's also sophisticated enough of a of a gamer to understand that you are playing on RPGs and you are playing on tower defenses without really being either. And for me, um, I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. I mean, maybe I should have gone and made like a like a Pokemon esque game like this. But um, that to me is the mid-core, hardcore audience that isn't being serviced enough on the phone. And then from there, as you do subsequent expansions, you add more of that collaboration components in, which has been found to be more appealing to women. And you add more of that, uh, you know. And then also people can start getting interested in the story. And once you have someone invested in a character as much as they're also invested into the mechanics, um, that's where, you know, where you can really broaden an audience out. Let's talk about playtesting. Um, so you have something somewhat going on with the game, right? So you have prototypes ready. Yep. How how is that playing with with the team? Um, what's the feedback? What have been some of the surprises? Um, 
Well, some of the su- some of the surprises have been, um, you know, once something this is you, you want to you want to know uh, learning the difference between making a movie and making a game um, would be getting things in game quickly, um, which my team uh, urged me to do, um, but I didn't really understand until we got something in game because as soon as it's in game, your ideas change quite a bit and you go, oh man, like. We're we're doing this all wrong. We should be doing it like this. Um, play play testing of the prototype. Um, I mean, we found like you can't get into the action too quickly. Like um, you need it so that, like even in the demo in that clip I showed you, um, it it has a video at the front. Now we don't actually plan to keep that a video. That was never the intent. It was it's going to be a players need to be doing something, but. Um, you need to get them into the game as quickly as possible. And there was sort of a lot of stuff that we're probably going to change about the start of the game to get them to the action point more quickly. Um, of, of course, this wasn't really a surprise either, but the AR... It, it, the hard thing with AR is that there's people like like you who are so familiar with it and have already ha- have a judgment about it. Yeah. And then there's a whole huge body of people who've never even seen it. Like when we showed it at Comic-Con here in Winnipeg, little kids' eyes were popping out of their head and they're grabbing their parents. And this was not even when we had a game demo. This is just when we had some like AR unit like rotating on a thing. And they're like, oh my God. So there's this whole huge ocean of people who've never heard of it. And then there's all these people who have heard of it. And then there's this vast gap in between. And when you try to message one, it, you don't want to sound like you're talking down to the other or like you think the other's stupid. But the other one has all these concerns of, is it really AR? Is it really an ARC? Is it really... And the other ones are like, I've never even seen this. What's going on here? Um, and that's something that we found with our, our, our market study as well, is that there's, you know, there's, the, there's the veteran gamers who have their dispositions toward it. And then there's the kids and, and even people who are gamers. They're just not sort of seeing everything that's happening who haven't passed judgment because there's been no successful game for them to judge yet. There hasn't been the... Iron Man or that you know the blockbuster game that's tried to propose this to them um, and so I mean we're doing the best we can with the research you know keep the player active keep player agency me coming from a uh, a story like a a less interactive background I always understood what player agency was but I didn't necessarily understand how to write player agency or how to direct player agency like you know you'll have this great scene and it's like this and this and this and then you'll have your more veteran writers be like, well, but you've just taken the player's choice out of their hands. And you went, no, I didn't because la, la, la. And they're like, no, you have. And uh, learning about things like that. Um, so, I mean, keep it in the player's hands. Yeah. Always give them something to do as much as possible. I hate talking screens as much as anybody else. Um, but tr- but trying to design that for the outdoors, like we do have a lot of audio work in the game, and there's this big question that we still haven't answered: Does anyone even gonna care? Like when they're playing outdoors, it's like probably so you you have to have everything on screen as on screen text because if you're playing outdoors, you can't require headphones. But we're yeah. also putting all this work into the audio, and we're trying to tell the story through audio as well, um, in some ways, um, with like geolocative audio in a way. Um, so, I mean, we still definitely have a lot to learn. Um, our focus testing has shown that there's a lot of people who don't know about it and the people who do are skeptical, but um, we're pretty confident in 
our integration at least being not necessarily the one that's going to crack the egg open, but being um, one of the at least more well thought out and more robust examples of what AR can do. And if it, you know, with this Kickstarter, sorry, I hit the mic. With this Kickstarter, um, you know, we're going to learn more and we're going to keep refining it until we, well, not until we get it right because there's a limited amount of money. But um, we're going to, we have this time right now where we finish development and we're not in production. And this is where we can take a big breather, look at all the data, see what happens on Kickstarter. And then when we go into production, we, we, we can change a lot of the plan. Okay. So, I mean, from your point of view, you've seen, you haven't played it, but you've seen the video. Yeah. What's some things you'd like to see that you don't see? Well, for me, I actually thought it was multiplayer at this mm. point. And so that was, so from what you're telling me now, it's a single player experience. Um, at this point, the yeah. first episode, yes. In an RPG. Okay. So that was, that was a little different. Um, I think it was cool. I think the graphics were amazing. And, but like you said, I mean, I've heard of augmented and see, that's the problem with having experience. That's the danger of having experience, you know, actually is that you get, you hear about these terms and then you're like, oh, okay, well, I've seen that five or 10 times and nothing's ever happened with that. Right. Mm -hmm. And the question is, is what are you going to change or what's the innovation that's going to make it so that it can become huge, you know, and, and so you talk about tower defense, right? That's something that I didn't think about in terms of actually having cross-gender appeal like you know both genders not <laughs> so it's I mean, also that's... great for a geolocative ar uh because it gives you that sense that you can stretch around the world with your units but you can also yeah. have it be very centered at home but see when you use terms like geolocative and ar that's dangerous at least from from my point of view because i'm yes like, like dude i've heard that so much but then again like you said there's so many people who haven't but even if they haven't i just don't think they're going to connect with it on that level they're not going to care if it's, if it's geolocative or ar they're just going to be like look is this a fun game they're you know, very like, obtuse you think about clash of clans like that if 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 no one knew that it was going to be the top grossing game on iphone or ipad and it's going to make like millions a day well would you think that that would actually appeal to both men and women Mm -hmm. So part of it is, you know, understanding the game design well, you know, and, and understanding the game design mechanics that are going to make it work, you know, and if you have that down, then, hey, you know, I'm just going to be one of those people who are like, well, I don't get it, even though it's going to be huge, just like a lot of the mobile games are huge, but a lot of the older industry experts, quote, experts never got it, right? A lot of people in the industry never really got Angry Birds until they saw how huge it was. Most huge transitions happen that way. Yeah. I yeah, mean, sci-fi was dead before Star Wars. Fantasy was exactly. dead before Lord of the Rings. But, but like, um, but like, superheroes used to be like a niche nerdy thing, and now they're the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, not saying that, and, uh, and you know, I'm not saying that this is going to be me. Uh, I, I'm, I, I hope to have a very sober outlook in my chances of success well, coming the, the in with... The question is, is what does make it from that niche to something mainstream. I mean, we talk about superheroes, we talk about Star Wars. Like, like we were, like I realized, I know it may seem obvious now, but I was like, wow, if you think about it, Star Wars did do a lot of invention in terms of the actual field of films, right? Like mm -hmm. they, they really redefined a lot of things. Obviously he had find a story that worked and it was compelling, but he had a lot of these other, like even that lightsaber, right? Like that looked cool, right? Just having that effect. And you, we talk about superheroes, you know, maybe it is the fact that it can now be on film and actually having something where there's so much CGI. 
makes it something that a lot of kids and everyone else wants to watch, mm-hmm. you know, provided you have the right stories. So it's a blend of like when superheroes first came out, maybe it was just in comic books. And that wasn't visceral or vivid enough for the mainstream for it to matter. But over time, you know, the, the core story elements got perfected in those comic books. And then finally, someone was able to blend that with a medium that was actually more mainstream, such as film or movies. And, you know, obviously blend it with te- technology or stuff that people wanted to, like that would be different and unique from traditional films. I mean, and this is kind of our our, our hope. This is what's sort of hanging our hats on. We, we're saying uh, no one's answered these questions properly yet. We think we're going to answer them both by having richer mechanics, not just hoping that the AR itself is going to sell it, yeah. which we've actually found the opposite. It's the liability until people actually play it, um, trying to sell AR. Um, and, but, you know, merging story, I feel strongly from my, not just looking at games, but this has happened in games too. When stories started entering games and you could get experiences like Mass Effect and stuff, that's when it went even more mainstream. I, I do believe across film, across comic books, across all mediums, that's when someone can take technology and even push the technology farther, but not in a ham-fisted, oh, look at we made it 3D, but this actually, by bringing this story and using this tech and, and putting them together from the ground up, if you, if you do that successfully in an experience that people want, both narrative experience and gameplay experience, I do think that that's how you crack the egg open and make it so that this will become a compelling uh, and interesting experience. Um, and, you know, and that's basically, I mean, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create anybody can be Luke Skywalker and, yeah. and the battles in your backyard and, you know, the, the battle of... Uh, Endor with the giant ships flying around that could be you by the end of this game you control an entire armada of ships uh, and, and you know defend the world and you become the hero in a way that isn't possible so I see it as if we're successful it'll be a very transformative experience but these things don't become transformative experiences if uh, they're already broadly accepted yeah. or understood. The other concern I had is when I saw the video is people were moving the iPad around and so my concern is do people or will people have to actually move their iPad around and kind of like with both hands as yeah, this, playing the game? Will this was a dispute. With, yeah, this was a dispute between the filmmakers, not me as the filmmaker, but the people who made the videos versus uh, the people who are more like, let's show them as accurate as possible. The filmmakers want this action-y uh, thing, you know, it to look like something's happening. Um, and the tech people, like uh, in our Kickstarter video, there's one shot um, where he basically puts the, uh, an array down and then he switches to AR mode and in between there's a little bit of like, oh, it's loading. Yeah. And, the f- and the filmmakers who made that video did not want to do that shot and they didn't do it originally and we had to fight them to put it in because they go, oh, it's too slow and it's too this and we go, yeah, but that's the only shot that we would have that actually shows that it's not some cheap cutaway that we're doing that actually shows that it works. And when it comes to that question in the design, we are very cognizant of making it so that people don't look like asses when they play the game. Um, A lot of the game can be played down. Like that's partly why it's tired of fence strategic as well. You make a lot of the decisions with it laying in your lap or laying in your hands flat as you're walking. And then you only need to glimpse. It's like a keyhole. 
you glimpse into the AR world. But even when you glimpse, we try to make it so that you're mostly looking at a 45-degree angle, which goes above other people's heads, so that you yeah. don't end up staring people in the face and making them wonder what you're doing, or you're collecting stuff off the ground. Um, we, we do plan to keep these experiences as small as possible, but again, it's like, you know, at this point, we're just trying to show that we can even do this. And yeah. you, sort of showing that you can move around and jerk it around and do all this stuff. It, it's very solid geolocative AR. And I don't know that anyone has more solid. And so it's this difference of showing it being... Uh, it, it, it's, it's, I do feel it's very, it's very much impossible to show what the value of this game is in still pictures. At least we haven't figured it out. Video helps, but there's sur- sort of a flattening. But the whole... And the other thing is um, when you're filming... If we film it with the guy down on his hands, like laying flat, like you would naturally play it, yeah. you're you're gonna need to have a camera up on a rig to look down and then adjust. You know, it's actually like it's very difficult. Not very difficult, but if you want it this fast, loose, natural feeling thing, you, you're gonna have to have a camera on a tripod and stuff to get the the natural feel of it. Um, so, I mean, that's just a challenge of trying to make explain this medium on through another medium, which is video. But we are cognizant and we are going to continue to work on making it so that you don't have to go outside, but it's incentivized. And that, um, you know, when you're using AR, for one, if you got to go down the street to do something, we're going to make it so that it's worth your time, you know, like, and um, also that, you know, mostly you're playing it down in your hands and you just peek up into this world around you. Uh, And at 45 degree angles so that you don't stare people in the face with your iPad. Um, so any then last words for indie game developers out there or any other last things that you find fascinating about the whole experience? I mean, it's been a huge learning experience for me. Uh, I mean, I come from film, but this game has been bigger in budget and scope than anything I've ever made in my life. So there's both just learning how to work in a bigger team uh, that I can't sort of be super... I micromanage Um, but also learning the medium, like getting things into the game that I always sort of knew into like in my head intellectually, mechanics matter, but there's there's knowing it in your head like you could write it in a paper, and then there's knowing it in your, you know, every decision you make and what that means in regard to mechanics. That was a huge learning cycle for me. Um, I just hope people give it a chance, check it out. Um, you know. That there's no one doing anything like us but Google, and I think we're doing it better than Google, and we're yeah. like a small company in a in a small city in Canada. Um, and uh, I hope we hit it right. And the most I can ask for is is people to just check it out, and if they like it, to let someone else check it out. Um, that's the most you know. Just getting the word out is the most we can ask for at this point. And uh, I great. greatly appreciate coming on the show and talking to you about it. I hope I I uh, clarified some yeah, it was great. concerns. And where, what's the website again that uh, listeners can visit to find out more about the game? Uh, clandestineanomaly.com okay. or they can go to zenfry.com, Z-E-N-F-R-I.com. Okay, so it's Z-E-N-F-R-I.com. That's right. Then, okay, great. Uh, thanks again for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yep. Take care. Bye.